This is Matt Raj, fourth generation owner of Community Coffee. My great-grandfather named it Community, just out of appreciation and respect for his friends and neighbors. And for 100 years, our family has been about two things, great tasting coffee and great people. And as America's number one family-owned retail coffee brand, we believe it's our responsibility to continue to give them the best tasting coffee experience possible. And it's why we're excited for you to discover your new favorite blend. Look for Community Coffee at a store near you. Honey, it's our favorite time of year, and I got you something to celebrate. <gasps> a McRib? It's just what I wanted. Happy McRib season, sweetie. Mm, I love you. I love you, too. Mm, actually, I was talking to my McRib. Oh, okay, well, uh, I'll leave you two alone. Right now, enjoy a McRib meal and get another tasty McRib sandwich for just a dollar. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Folks, this is Chris. And I'm Kristen Johnson. Yeah. Welcome to Bigfoot and the Bunny. Bigfoot and the Bunny. And we got a special guest tonight. <laughs> it's uh, author, a lecturer, and um, rescue medium, Amy Major. And I believe Hi, she's Amy. on with us now. Hey, Amy. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. Thank Sorry. Thank you. How are you? Slightly late start. <laughs> We're rolling now. Hey, like I said, technical difficulties are my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> it's seemingly ours too, apparently, because I'm having them too tonight. <laughs> we usually have our share, um, individually and together. So it's amazing. But mm-hmm. uh, you are a rescue medium, and you know we are fans of yours, and we have your books. Um, I've got them here, Light the Way, your newest novel um, book, and Toward the Light, your first book. Uh, those are the only two you have. Is that right, Amy? Uh, yes, I'm working on book three right now, which people have been begging for me to finish. But this one's going to be a good one, so it's going to take a little bit longer. Excellent. Well, we love them. We went right through them. And uh, I thought maybe we could just start off. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about your background and um, let our audience know what Rescue Mediumship is. Oh, yeah, I'd love to. Uh, well, Rescue Mediumship is a, a specialized form of mediumship, as um, many people actually don't know much about rescue work. Um, regular mediumship is mostly specialized in connecting to the other side, relaying messages from loved ones that have crossed over, whereas rescue mediumship really kind of serves a purpose to communicate with what we call earthbound spirits and helping them reach their transition state of crossing over. So helping them relieve any you know, tension or stress or fears, anything holding them back. Uh, rescue mediumship also specializes in helping with like a spirit attachments, energy clearing work, house clearing, um, many different forms of energy clearing work because we come in as a form of healing and cleansing. Mm-hmm. How did I get started in this? Oh my gosh, let me tell you, I yes. came and kick, um, you know, they dragged me and kicking and screaming. I didn't <laughs> want anything to do with mediumship at all. I think I was like 21, uh, 22 years old when I had a reading with an astrologer who told me that I was a medium and a psychic and I was going to devote my life to being a medium and psychic. I thought she was crazy. I'm like, no, 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 no. There's no way this is true. Um, but then she didn't really explain to me what a psychic was. I'm thinking a psychic is, you know, someone with a crystal ball telling you your future. I didn't know, you know, the astral projection and the talking to voices in my head and past life dreams and, you know, psychic visions. I didn't know that was being a psychic and I've been doing that my whole life. So 
when I went and visited a psychic center in Derry, New Hampshire, run by April Sharon, who is my teacher and now my good friend. She uh, she did confirm I was a psychic and a medium. I started training, and then within just a few weeks, I started working as a psychic. Wow. Then, you know, it was very, very, it was like, <clears throat> kind of like overdue, long overdue, as being a psychic is like, like some, pull some cards and tell you what you, what you feel, and I'm just like spot on every time, and I'm getting names, and I'm getting images, and I'm getting feelings, and it was just like, wow, I can really use this for some good and uh, when I started opening up mediumship, once I found out that I was a medium, um, the whole room would fill with really heavy energy, really kind of everyone would say really dark energy um, and that it would be bad spirits. But the funny thing is, is that no matter how many times I tried to clear myself and no matter how many times I tried to. Chris? lost your audio. There you are. Oh, oh, oh! I was wrong, and that there was something wrong with me. But there wasn't. It was just me connecting to earthbound spirits. Because um, <clears throat> somewhere along the line, um, I made the contract to come in as a rescue medium, and the spirits knew I was a rescue medium before I did. Interesting. You kind of just needed somebody to help you connect the dots, and then everything kind of fell into place quickly. It sounds like. Very quickly, a little too quickly. I always give the analogy of uh, taking a baby and dropping them in the deep end and saying, learn how to swim. And that's exactly <laughs> what my training felt like. It really did. I was just like, no way, I'm not doing this. Yeah, that's what her, I feel like right swim. now. <laughs> thrown into the fire. We, we have this kind of expressions to do with the elements, you know, sink or swim, thrown into the fire. But it all kind of means right. the same thing, you know, you have to uh, stay afloat. And, um, it came to you quickly. That's awesome. So you have been doing these uh, things like astral projection before, but you just didn't realize it. You're just having the, like lucid dreaming and, and that kind of thing. Well, I realized it. Um, I knew I was different, as my guides would say. Uh, I used to have conversations with my spirit guides throughout my whole childhood, and they told me I was different. And they said, look, you're special. You came here to do something really important. We can't tell you what that is, but you are going to feel very different and very out of place. And just understand one day everything's going to make sense for you and i didn't know what they they meant by it i was like what do i have superpowers what does this mean you know they didn't explain mediumship or psychic ability i always felt just i was just didn't feel like i fit in at all and i, I felt very lonely as a child in all these astral projections i would sit there in class and astral project out the window and next thing i know 30 minutes have gone by and I didn't listen to a single thing the teacher would say. Surprisingly, I still graduated with honors, but I, I was never in the classroom. I was always doing something else. And I was always astral projecting as a kid. You know, I, I grew up in a very hostile environment with my family, a lot of abuse. So I was always kind of going into my little closet. I had a walk-in closet. I would sit in there and start astral projecting out and trying to imagine myself somewhere else and my guides were constantly trying to put me back in my body I'm like no I don't want to be here yeah. <laughs> wow yeah it's a means to escape well sure. I always felt like I was dropped off in the wrong spot I always felt like I was born in the wrong town I felt I was born in the wrong time and uh, the funny thing is the astrologer when she gave me a reading she said I was actually born just a few years before 
Um, I, I'm Amy now, and I was born in 76. And she said she saw me born in like 70, 71. And I died as an infant. And I came back just five years later into this life to finish something. And the wow. funny thing is I always, had, I always had a really strong connection to New York when I was a kid. Like every movie that came up about New York and dancing and, and music and musicals, I was so attracted to it. And later on, I found out that I was supposed to have been a dancer in New York in that lifetime. And wow. so I'm like, how did I go from dancing to medium? I'm not sure. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, but my guy's like, nope, you changed your mind because you knew you had to get this work done for your ascension. So I'm like, okay, that makes sense. But so I would, I knew I was not where I was supposed to be um, growing up in, in Long Beach, California, where I grew up. I just felt like I wasn't in the right place, but made it to the East Coast. I'm now in New Hampshire, and I kind of feel more acclimated out here where I'm supposed to be. That's wonderful. That's great. Wow. Um, Amy, I understand everyone is different, but when you see spirits, what do they look like to you? Um, how do you know? Uh, does an image pop in your head as in them in human form? Because I remember you speaking about a little boy after clearing somebody's house, yeah. you saw a little boy. How do those images pop in to your they, head? Do, I mean, do you see them or? They really look like a projection of a memory, like a hologram. Okay. And I will see them out in front of me. And I will see them as if like the hologram isn't working correctly, almost like it's flashing in front of you. Or sometimes the image will be so faint that you're thinking you're just having a memory because it's all in your mind. You don't see it out in front of you the way that you think that you do. It's more of you're just standing there and all of a sudden the spirit kind of stepped into your mind, into your space. Cause usually it starts um, like I'll be working. I worked in medical management for 15 years and I would be at the computer pretending to work and I'm just kidding. <laughs> and, you know, all of a sudden I'm daydreaming about something and then a spirit would pop into my head. And then I see all these images of them. You know, a big example was uh, several years ago, I was working a second shift. It was like midnight. And I started thinking about, you know, my work and I just started daydreaming. Next thing I know, I have this child step into my mind and my third eye. And he's uh, got red hair. He's about 10, 9, 10 years old. He's wearing a green jacket. He shows me this huge open field. And I hear the word Virginia. So I'm like, so I opened up a spiritual door. I crossed him over. And uh, it was like less than five minutes. Well, two days later, I read in the news, a boy fell through a hole in his backyard. It was a big open field in Virginia. He had red hair and he was wearing his green jacket. Uh, when it happened wow. and it was just two days later and I'm like oh my gosh wow. so these things they just step in really really quickly and you know you're not daydreaming because these are people that you've never met before and you wouldn't have, have no reason and they're literally looking at you and talking to you uh, telepathy, through telepathy but it all depends on how in, intense the spirit is it all depends on their vibration how high they are how low they are that all determines how I see them and how well I see them. Okay. That's excellent. Wow. Actually, I was going to ask you this a little later, but since it's kind of relevant to what you just said, I'll ask now. Uh, what do you find is the difference between intentional daydreaming versus meditation 
versus say um, visualization of doing creative work, psychic work, or is it all kind of the same feeling to you? It all comes from the same cortex of the brain. It comes from all the right-sided uh, creative thinking. Um, it's where the um, daydreaming is housed in the brain. And you use that spot every time in your brain to do that. The intention is what changes the frequency. So if I'm going into a regular daydream, my mind is very much involved with it because I'm thinking at the time that I'm daydreaming. If I'm going into a meditation, I'm clearing my mind and I'm not thinking. All I'm doing is thinking about raising my frequency and opening up a space for my guides to contact me and kind of sit maybe in an open field. And then if I'm doing anything else, um, using that brain system, I'm stepping into a mediumship gallery. What I'm doing is I'm setting my intention on connecting to a higher consciousness. And then I'm opening up a space in my um, crown chakra, but still using visualization. And then spirit is stepping in that way. So it all depends on the intention of what you're doing. It, and that will determine what you receive in return do you have that same kind of i don't know heavy or spacey feeling that you get when you're when you're daydreaming i know i i do when i do meditate or um try to get myself in those modes i'm they're they all very kind of similar mindsets and like you said they are tension is is what's different but it, it's good to hear it bounced off somebody else because i don't think people really explain it like intentional daydreaming Oh, I, <laughs> I daydream like constantly. I think that was my favorite pastime as a kid. And I didn't realize I was my, my mom's favorite um, phrase to me was Earth to Amy, where are you? And I'm like, <laughs> I, was, I was never there in my body. And, you know, I was thought I was daydreaming. But if you really set an intention to daydream, you are technically starting to move out of your body through astral projection. If you are daydreaming about a place that you've been to, you can literally move yourself out of your body to that place astrally. Well, you're still connected to your body, to your mainframe, your housing, and but a part of your consciousness actually um, starts to rise and leave the body and actually move towards the place that you're setting your intention and your thought towards. And that's a form of astral projection. It's more like uh, remote viewing. Remote viewing is a little different because you don't actually leave your body. What you're doing um, is actually linking in to a space and then reading all of the energy in that space and you're receiving information such as you're receiving what does it look like? What does it feel like? Are there any people there? So a lot of people think remote viewing is astral projection. Whereas remote viewing is actually psychically seeing a place. Now you can actually project into a place and view from there, but you're definitely going to feel at a body. Whereas a remote viewing is you feel very housed in your body and you're just receiving images that way. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I was just wondering, we've been to a, your, one of your um, seminars and stuff, and you had mentioned that you do not like or you don't like to be around negative energies. You have somebody else come in and clean them or clear them. 
how come that is how come you don't like to be around that is there oh, no. a reason no, no i'm around that. i'm around negative energy all the time <laughs> maybe i'm She's referring to like demonic energy. I think I've demonic. Oh, I really didn't want to say oh. the word. We're going yeah. to oh, okay. like yeah. entity, negative entity, demonic, entity. slash demonic yeah. entity. Yeah. Well, they are a type of species and energies that we really haven't figured out just yet. And their only intention is to feed off of fear and negativity. They're not looking for any help. They're not looking to be rescued. They're not looking to change their frequency in any way. And that's my intent, that's my job, is to help right. and to heal. So if these entities aren't looking for that and they're just looking to harm people, I don't want anything to do with them. I will actually call in um, spirit helpers from the other side to clear them away because they're essentially getting in the way for me doing my job. I have on so many occasions cleared entities, demonic entities from people. But the funny thing is, is that most of these entities I've cleared from people, only a small fraction of them are demonic entities. Most of them are manifested entities from their own fears and their own negativity down um, that's actually housed in their subconscious. So a lot of people that feel they have a demonic entity really don't, they're actually, it's their own energy that's projected out and manifested. They, it is the essence of their, the negativity that's created it. So a lot of people think that it's a demonic entity and it's really not. They're haunting their own house, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> now, I believe that. I, I think I've been guilty of that, actually. <laughs> I think it's, um, I enjoyed the chapters on residual energy and uh, relate to that. And I think we all make that. And I've um, used the example of when I was married years and years ago. Um, and going through a divorce, like our house <laughs> was kind of haunted. It had a bad feeling, you know, we used to talk about it because uh, the energy there had changed so dramatically. What's really sad is that you see so many um, paranormal shows out there and immediately say, oh, it's a demon, it's a demon. And you're like, well, wait, let's not, right. you know, jump to these conclusions here. That's maybe right. 5% of the paranormal activity that you actually get out there. They have, they're not considering maybe it's just a really nasty earthbound spirit. Is this a projection? Is this a poltergeist? Is this a manifested thought form? You know, what are these things? Let's stop saying, oh, it's a, it's a demon. Because that just isn't true. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. The D word. We call yeah. it the D right. word. We try not to say it. Phrase it like that. Kristen was, uh, you know. Stepping on her toes yeah. around it, I think. Right, I was <laughs> trying to tiptoe around that word. Tip so, yeah, to make things, you know, genomic, de demonic and demon and everything. But I don't really get uh, afraid of it anymore. Used. Yeah, it's, it's overused right. and it's created um, wrongly. It's a word that was created for something they didn't quite understand. And they, they, they created its identity, essentially, um, which I do not find to be accurate at all. And I'm hoping one day we can actually change the way people feel about them and actually take more personal responsibility for their own energy. Right. Sure. Sure. And I think right. there are entities out there that, you know, have not been human that, right. you know, can maybe cross into that definition, but I don't think it's anything like the exorcist necessarily. No. I've never, I'm in all my, in my 22, 23 years, I have never seen that of all my attachment removals. 
So, I mean, I've seen some really dark things. I've seen some really nasty energies. I've seen things that actually come and attack me in the middle of the night that look very demonic. And they probably are. But nothing as far as something like the exorcist where they've, you know, attached to a person like that. I have yet to come across that. I'm sure maybe one day I will because I'm getting more and more clients with a lot of dark stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's not like I said, hey, look what I get to go do. You know, it wasn't my first career choice as right. to do this. It was just something that happened over the last, you know, two decades. It's something I became accustomed to. I don't. I'm not afraid of it anymore. I know how to to create the energy to rid people of these energies. And I have a very strong spiritual team that works with me. So I know it's my calling, but I I don't try to stay away from it so much as I like to try to just dance around it and say, oh, maybe there's something else for me to do right now other than that. Let me see what else I can do to get away from it. You uh, mentioned uh, through the book, uh, in books that you, you know you recruit your spiritual helpers be they guides angels elementals or protectors um, to help you with clearing residual energy to help uh, with the crossing of spirits um, but what are the steps that you take to to actually contact them to do that on on instance say you've walked you're doing the walkthrough you know of a residence and you, you want to bring in a guide do you do it verbally do you do it is it mental is there any um what steps do you take to to call upon these well in the very beginning it was very different than it is now in the very beginning i didn't even know that i had a spiritual team i thought i was doing everything alone and i would get very upset because i'm like no one's helping me no one's helping me i'm doing this all alone and i don't know what i'm doing and you know spirit would always step in and like you're not alone we are doing this with you and i'm like can you take over then because i'm done uh and uh so i would get very frustrated with them and then through the years through meditation and many different techniques they would come in and they would speak with me and let me know that they're working with me and then when i would actually go in and do the work i would feel their energy step in so i would feel the whole room like sort of grouped together and all of them would stand over me and around me. I didn't have to call to them. They knew when I was getting ready to do something and they knew when I needed them. And so through the years, it just now that I work, I will do a a quick prayer. I will set my intention. I'll set my energy and I'll just make sure that my group is there. And they're like, yep, we're here. We're ready to go. And sometimes they'll say, oh, we're waiting for someone to come in. And I, I hear it. I'm a clear audience and um, I've been hearing them since I was two years old. I have more clear audience than I am clairvoyant. So I hear really? everything that comes through and you know, you know I, I keep telling people I should have been locked up years ago saying I hear voices, you know, my whole life. But <laughs> <Right>? you know, <laughs> but it's true. And so when they're saying, okay, we're here, you know, and then visually they'll give me the thumbs up. I will feel their energy around me. And sometimes I won't really even remember to ask them to come in. Sometimes I'll just get into the work and I'll forget. And then there was this one time I was actually doing an energy clearing on someone and a spirit stepped out of their solar plexus and went to attack me. And next thing I know, I have my guide all of a sudden stand up behind me. And they were like 10 feet tall and look over me and like, the spirit cowered in front of them 
because the <laughs> wow. intensity of my guy that stood over me and said, don't you dare touch her. And wow. I was just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't need to call them in so much as I need to just believe and trust that they're going to be there for me. And they make themselves known. It's interesting because um, since we've read your books and then Kristen and I have been working on keep, keeping more contact or direct notable contact with our guides, it just seems to be happening a lot more just because we're thinking about it. You know, we're All noticing right. it. It's almost like it was always there. But now we're just noticing it more, you know, what, what those signs are, you know. Right. Well, I asked my guides that um, because everything that anybody ever wonders, I've wondered the same thing and, and asked. I knew somebody was going to ask me eventually. And just because I'm extremely curious. But I kind of said it. I said, you know, why are we experiencing so many more uh, earthbound spirits and attachments than ever before? Or am I just being more aware of it? And it's always been there. And they said, well, actually, it hasn't been as much as it is now. And the reason is, is because first, we are moving into their frequency, our ascension process of the planet and ourselves as souls, we are raising our frequency, so that we're now moving and bridging the gap between the third and fourth dimension. So we're seeing earthbound spirits more than we ever have before, and now they're seeing us more than ever before. And that gap has slowly been closing, and they're all around us all the time. But the number of earthbound spirits has also been increasing as well. And I asked why. I said, because there's so much negativity in the world? And they said, no, there's always been negativity in the world. They essentially said, you have to think about soul's evolution and the type of souls that are on the planet. They said before, souls were very young. Oh, what do young souls do? What they do is what they're told, just like babies. Someone says, okay, you're, you're dying. There's light. Go into it. We said, okay, sure. But we are slowly evolving into more adolescent souls. Well, most of the population, not all of us. Some of us are older souls. But the most of the population on the planet are more adolescent souls, teenager souls. So they're not as young as they used to be, but they're not as wise as they should be. And what do adolescents do? Well, they <laughs> rebel. They don't listen. They want to explore. They want to do things on their own. They want to figure things out. They want to experience different things. So in their transition process, they're making up different choices. They're living their free will, and they're deciding, well, I'm going to roam for a little bit. I don't want to cross over right away. I want to decide to just stick around and see the world or see what people are doing. And they get lost in that moment of their death, and they forget about the process of moving on and making their transition because time no longer exists for them. So they forget how long they've been wandering for. And there are a lot of adolescent souls that really come here and experience such hardships that it's really hard for them to break free from their pain and their fear and their sadness. So it really affects them more than it did when they were younger souls. So therefore, they're going to get affected more. And because they're affected more, their personal lives and their third dimensional lives and their conditioned beliefs and everything is actually keeping them earthbound more than ever before. So I'm hoping 
uh, that rescue mediumship will only be needed maybe for a few more hundred years until these souls become older souls and learn through their mistakes and through these experiences become wiser and understand the transition process of crossing over right after death was really in their benefit. And that's more or less what you uh, call the category one spirits, right? And of earthbound yeah. spirits in yeah. your your book, Light the Way, which I uh, just finished and we really liked. Thank if you. A little yes, plug, we did. plug here, Light the Way. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoyed that. It's a lot of information in, in there. And I um, love the depth of, of the information and all the topics that you go into because there are a lot of the things that aren't written in other books. And, uh, right, like the three levels. Well, the three levels. The three, the, the, uh, the three levels are. I I am um, firm about categorizing things. I'm ex-military. I'm all about structure. So, <laughs> organized, are we? Really <laughs> organized. So I'm like, in order to teach this, I had to classify things and organize things so that people would understand it. We need to place things in boxes in order to understand them, categorize them. Um, it's easier for our minds to, to understand that information logically. So if I put them in three categories, people now understand, okay, not all earthbound spirits are the same. Right. And so I found it helped a lot. Right. right. It, it we, did. Thank you. We came across you and looking up um, child spirits, and I wanted to ask you something about that. Um, just researching it, we have, we have come across one, and I, I know we told you a little bit about that. Um, I actually have an audio recording uh, that we can play, and I don't know if you had a chance to listen to the, the podcast that I sent you. It's okay if you didn't. I know you're really quick and busy, but mm -hmm. this is a, a little audio from what we think is a child spirit, but we wanted to know what you thought. Sure. And it's only maybe 30 Thank seconds you. long. Um, this was captured on a, a spirit box, a, you know, radio seeking scanning through the channels mm -hmm. and what I've done in, in the recording is I removed some of the frequencies which revealed more his voice some of the static and right it revealed Chris, quite a bit more uh, <laughs> and you removed uh, the static and and everything and it, all of a sudden this little boy's voice is, just comes out yeah you'll, we you'll didn't hear, hear it you'll hear him whimpering and he says more than what we heard in real time you'll hear us responding to some of what um, he, he says, and uh, this, by the way, was the second visit to the same location. We had asked, how old are you? He told us seven several times over the radio. We went back another time and said, how old are you? But we thought we were communicating with him. Came back, same thing, seven, seven, seven. Part of that's in this. And then we asked him some other questions, but there was a whole thing where he says, where's mom? You'll hear in the middle. We didn't hear in real time at all or we reacted to it. But um, actually, I don't know if you'll be able to hear it. Amy. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Come to think of it, when we play clips, we don't actually hear them. Um, hmm. Maybe we'll maybe we'll skip that. Okay. <laughs> we'll play yeah. it after I find, the show. I find that it's so sad, though, to to really connect to um, spirits, earthbound spirits. That are it's still really there. sad. Like we were so upset when we figured out so what. So I really was saying. crying, and when I found it, it was just awful. Yeah, and it's yeah. it's sad. It's really it's sad, and it's heart wrenching. We want to know too that it's it's also real, and that that's we another. We need to make sure. We also because it's hear. We also hear that uh, child spirits are often not child spirits; that they're something pretending to be child spirits. 
right. True. Have you come across that? And what, what I do you have, but the thing is, is that I don't necessarily listen to the voice. I li- I pay attention to their energy. I go through their energetic layers, and I see what's their true intention. What does their soul look like? So I don't look at the moment of time, and I don't listen to their voice per se or see the image because I can actually energetically go in. I, as I explained in Light the Way, we have they have energetic body. And when you tap into the essence of the soul, you can see all of their lives, what their life purpose was, their soul's connection to their, you know, their spirit guides, what their true intention is, how they felt about their life. So when I do that, I can actually see, is this truly a child or is this something mimicking a child's energy? I'll know right away. I see. Okay. And I I did read about those layers, but, you know, I don't know that. You know, I'm personally quite there yet or couldn't be tricked or deceived, you know, um, right. into thinking something else. So because there are like a few characters involved with this investigation that we're doing. And it's just one of the things we're doing. But we spent a lot of time on it in the show. Um, I'll get that clip to you. And, you know, we almost just wonder. It's like, oh, my God, it sounds like a stereotype. You know, could it be something playing with us? It's there seems right. to be so much stuff going on. Go to their guide go to your guide and ask for confirmation because your guides are there with you. And if you don't know how to go to your guides, maybe use a pendulum or a dowsing rod, get that information asked. Cause if you ask three times, they have to tell you the truth. Really? Who they really are. Yes. Wow. I did not know that. So, that also brings in another question that you had, Chris, about um, what she thought about. Oh yeah. Tools. Yeah, actually, we're going to ask you about that. Just uh, a quick rundown on, you know, what's your favorite divination tool? (laughs) That kind of thing. You know, where do you stand with, you know, the Ouija board uh, controversy and that kind of stuff? Oh, yeah, that is quite a controversy, actually. I'm not a big fan of the Ouija board only because of the global consciousness connected to it. Um, you have to understand that when we use something once or twice, it doesn't really hold a consciousness. It just holds whatever that momentary intention is. But if you're using an object that actually holds a global consciousness, such as a negative imprint or a positive imprint, you're actually tapping into that global consciousness while you're using the object and bringing in that energy. So if you're using a Ouija board and the global consciousness is known for it to be negative and to bring in negative spirits, you're tapping into that energy imprint. Ah, well, that's interesting. Think of it as a global or collective consciousness kind of move. If enough people feel it is a certain way, it kind of becomes takes that real. on. It becomes yes. true. Hmm. Yeah, but if you were to use any other object that you really haven't used before, you can actually create a new consciousness, a new intention behind it. Because spirits can use any object to communicate with you. We, uh, as spiritualists, we like using a tipping table because the, the, the greater consciousness in that is of a positive communication. We change the frequency of the table. We link in. We bring in protectors and gatekeepers. We ask that only those of the highest and best come through. We've done this over 100 years. Therefore, the, the global consciousness has been more of a positive connection to table tipping than of the Ouija board. So always tap into what, how does it feel to you in your gut? That's great. That's great. I didn't know that at all. Thank you. I've been taking notes this whole time. 
<laughs> I'm kind of quiet, so that's why I've been taking notes. I've got like two pages of notes, so we appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. I love what, I love talking about this stuff. Well, one of the things we wonder is, uh, you know, assuming we are able to to cross Toby as the the child's name, or as he presents himself, how do we know? Like, what's our our validation to know that he's successfully crossed? It depends on the field. medium. Yeah, it really does depend on the medium. I've trained a lot of my medium students, hundreds of them, on rescue work, and they all feel something different. So it really all depends on your clear abilities, how linked in you are to that spirit, if your spirit team is coming in to assist you. For me, I will communicate with the spirit. I will see them visually. I will hear them, and I will feel them and sense them. And I will talk with them. I will open up a spiritual door. I'll call in ancestors for them. If it's an an, if it's a, a child, I might call in an animal. I will call in their guides, their angels, my guides, my angels. And I will actually point them in the direction of the, oh, the spiritual door. I will literally see them walk through the door. I will feel their energy move into the door and cross that threshold. The door will close. My guides will give me the thumbs up, and then I'll feel the disconnect of the link of energy. And that's how I do it. That's really interesting. We were actually told in one of our recordings, and I think from a, a guide, as we do a lot of the recordings, and the recordings give us the validation, whether it be the spirit box Absolutely. or EVPs, but predominantly the spirit box, which really works well for her and I, um, to walk him through the gates, which is interesting considering the location as they have these kind of unique gates out, out front. Right. And then so walk him through the gates. And everybody, <laughs> yeah. Everybody's spiritual door will be different, though, because you have to think about it. Your consciousness, your awareness, your cultural reference, uh, your belief system will always create a type of spiritual door. And all of my students, when I ask them to open up a spiritual door, they're all different. They could be a barn door. I've had somebody open up a basement uh, door into a cellar. I'm like, that's going in the wrong direction. Yeah, but, right. uh, <laughs> but I've had people open up, you know, gates. I've had people open up wooden doors. My door isn't an actual door. Mine is actually just a ray of light that opens up like a portal. So it, it, I always say, ask your door to appear and have it appear to exactly the way that it's supposed to with no um, no judgments or intentions or anything that would um, falter this door from coming in because our belief systems will sometimes get in the way. We'll see something, but we don't believe it because that's not what we were expecting. And so we will actually um, get in our own way. So just ask for the door to appear. It will usually appear above you, uh, maybe above your head or off to the side. You'll always feel a bit of a pull into the spiritual door and there'll always usually be a guide or gatekeeper at your door do you know it's the right one because you have to make sure they're going to the right place right well we are new at this so we certainly hope that he does go to the right place (laughs) when you you say the door itself you're more or less speaking of like a vortex type thing that you define in your book Mm -hmm. exactly some of the spiritual doors you mentioned were like uh coming from the ground they weren't really above you they were like when you're trying to close them or you're trying to do a, a clearing, you're pushing it down, you know, the door would be like... Exactly. That door would be more of a vortex, um, a spiritual door that was created to bring in energy into our dimension. Whereas we're opening up a spiritual door 
to release energy from our dimension into a higher dimension with the intention of crossing over. So our intention creates the door based on what we where we need them to go. Okay, I'm still writing. <laughs> <laughs> you also got into some of the um, tools or even uh, I'll say weaponry. Yes. Used in there, like the Sword of St. Michael and a, a staff and using um, light. Maybe you could tell our audience a little bit about that. It was a subject I was not that familiar with. Well, a lot of rescue mediums or energy clearers, they're not going to receive these spiritual or energetic weapons unless they're going to be working with lower frequencies or they're going to be stepped into a warrior mode. <clears throat> if you're just going to be doing level one or sound spirit rescue, you're less likely to use any of these weapons. These weapons are mostly always often to be used as defense only so that you can, those. You, you can clear and you can protect and shield your own energy from an invading force. Uh, the, uh, the blades that I use or used to use, they took them away from me. I'm crying. But the blades <laughs> that I used to use would actually go into attack. And they would dissipate the energy of any in, um, negative entity that would come and try to attack me. These spiritual tools, they're not physical. They are all um, visual tools that you're going to um, use through visualization. Like if you're having a daydream or you're meditating, you're going to use them. And they are just as uh, important and can be used uh, really well because you have to think about it. You can't fight energy with physical objects got to fight energy with energy and yeah that's really what it is I would, but, uh, yes totally they're wonderful agree with to use they are hmm. I, uh, I use something like that i was taught uh, a method of using something that's a bit like spinning blades and uh, you more or less visualize it to remove say an attachment or it could be aimed different ways really yeah. and uh, and uh, yeah and it, uh, i didn't have exactly those names it definitely worked, and I removed an it. It definitely works because we've been banishing uh, out of my house that way, and it was a, more or less like a strong pull. My fear for my kids that really gave me the energy to pull this thing together and and remove it. But, um, I thought when I came across that in your book, I thought that was really interesting, particularly the blades, because it seems similar to something I've done. And it's, it's interesting how creative you can get with some of these weapons. And the funny and the funny thing is is you would never have imagined these weapons, but they're given to you by your guides and by your angels when you're ready to use them. And some of them seem very medieval. Some of them seem like they haven't been used for thousands of years. Other ones are something that you would see in a gun store. So it, it all depends on your personality as far as what you're capable of using, what you're comfortable using. And also sometimes it taps into past lives. Were you a warrior before? Did you yield a sword in another life? And are you comfortable using that? Or, you know, were you a cop? Would you rather be, you know, using something like a gun? And and to say these, these tools, and I want to call them tools rather than weapons, even though they are weapons, they're used to dissipate energy. They're not to harm the spirit, even though, I got to tell you, there's times I really wanted to harm them because, you know, they're really nasty at times and my anger would get really kind of fed up with them. But sure. over the years, I became more patient and more understanding, more loving towards these because I realized they're all wounded souls. 
you know. So we're here to protect our energy and protect other people. We're not here to really harm them. And just right. to kind of show our force. That's really all there to be used for. Yeah. Rescue is the key word. And really, the gist of the you know both of those books is that you want to rescue them, even if they've done bad things maybe in their lifetime. You're helping them move along. You're not playing uh, the role of judge and jury. You're trying exactly. to understand them, right? Um, get into them through those layers, like you mentioned. Uh, understand what their real th- thinking is and what they are, and help them move along. Exactly, because you have to think about it. Say somebody's really angry here in the physical world and they're, they're, say they've lost a pet and they're very angry. They lost their job and, you know, they're lashing out on you and they seem really negative at the moment, but just give them a couple weeks and everything's okay. The spirits don't have that luxury. They're lost in the moment of time of being in their anger, in their fear, and they don't have anyone to help them. So, of course, they're going to be very angry at times and they need a lot of counseling, a lot of help and healing. So if we kind of look at them with without judgment and see this is just a temporary moment for them in, on their soul's journey, and they weren't always like this, and we're trying to get them back to who they truly are as a, as a soul. Right. And, so encompassing more than, say, the 50 years or whatever it is. I'm 50 today, so. Yay! <laughs> That's right. I want to say, <laughs> give you a shout-out, too. So happy birthday to uh, my partner you. in crime. Yeah. Love you, baby. Love you too. Thank you. Aww. You're welcome. <laughs> yep. Survive for 50. But using that number, what you're saying is, you know, they're bigger than the 50 years that they were here or whatever it is. Exactly. You have to look at them on the, on the long journey of their soul, not just right now. It's hard to do that. It really is. A lot of people ask me, how can you help these really nasty spirits when they've done such awful crimes and awful things? And I look at, and I just say, look, you know, these were once children. They're hurt, they're afraid, they're lost, they're scared, they're angry, and they're just acting out. I'm going to be better than that, and I'm going to be helpful to them and healing for them, and I'm going to do angelic work. What would angels do? What would God do for them? And that's exactly what we need to do. That works for me. Um, I know yeah, you've got a, a big event that. coming up, but I think you just moved it off to January. Is that, is that right? That is the same event. It's the same event, yes. Okay. With all the snow and during the holidays, I'm thinking January is just a better time frame for it. Makes sense. Okay. It actually works for us a lot better. So um, I was actually glad to see that move because we'd like to come <laughs> up to you uh, at least one of those days. Um, I want to tell our listeners a little bit about that and your workshops and where they can find you. Oh, they can definitely find me in amymajor.com. Uh, they can also find me on Facebook. They just have to Google Amy Major Spirit Rescue Specialist. Uh, they can find my books on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. And they're also you can find them on my website as well. I have workshops that are um, coming up, the Rescue Mediumship Workshop, but I'm also really, really excited. I'm going to be doing a huge workshop and tour with two other wonderful ladies. Um, that we're going to be announcing in the next few months. And that's going to be a really great, a really wonderful healing workshop that we're going to be really kind of planning for the next year or two. And I'm going to be on the road a lot with that. So I'm really excited. And, of course, I'm trying to write my third book. <laughs> so there's, there's just tons of tons of work uh, that needs to be done. I'm really excited because, you know, 20 years ago, no one ever talked about rescue mediumship. No one even knew what it was. And my main focus is, to get 
people more, um, you know, more aware of what rescue mediumship is. So when someone says I'm a medium or rescue medium, people, the general public will know what that means. And that will mean just the world to me, knowing that there's more of awareness of it. Right. Oh, that's awesome. And we were really happy that we came across you. I think we had asked Absolutely. you, you know, more questions when we met you and we're, you know, obviously worked up about our own case and trying to get Toby free and his other characters there, but I won't get into all that. But um, I kind of agree that you had said, well, I think you just got to keep doing it, you know, get out there and do it. Because every time we have another experience or do we go into something, we learn something each time. So I right. think uh, things will start to fall into place, you know, based on the knowledge that we've got gained from you and absolutely we really appreciate it appreciate it, so. it. and oh, we're hoping pleasure. everybody all our listeners go out and get your books and read them and learn how to do it the more rescue mediums the merrier it's just one That's thing right. that i just uh i would be so happy uh if we can join our ranks of rescue <laughs> There certainly seems to be a lot of spirits out there that need help. <laughs> and uh, if there's a common message that we get, it's help, help us, help me. Help we me. hear that all the time, you know. I get it in my house. Sessions and whatnot. How so could we turn to, away? They yeah. seem to want our attention, you know. Very much so. I agree. Bravo to you for doing this work. Huh? Thank you. And thank you so much again. We appreciate your help. Oh, my Absolutely. pleasure. Anytime. I love talking about this stuff. Obviously, I've been doing it for a while. Another so 20 years asked, in my future. If we ask awesome. you to come on again, you'll be coming on again? Oh, absolutely. Great. Awesome. We're running here. Thank you. We had a lot more questions. We, we knew we'd, we'd go well over our hour. So. Yes. <laughs> we tried to keep it, keep it simple. But uh, thank you again, Amy. We really appreciate it. And, yes, uh, thank you, Amy. You can find our, our show also out there on Facebook and Instagram, Bigfoot and the Bunny or Dark Horse Paranormal. Uh, look for Amy's books, Light the Way and Toward the Light, both available on Amazon. And um, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for listening. Bye-bye. Hi. How we doing? Are we off, Joe? Hoping the outro played. We can't hear our intros and outros. Amy, if you're still on. I'm still here. So, so apologize. We rely on Joe to tell us when it's all set and clear. Joe.
Joe. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> My cats are restless tonight. Stop it. It's a bad baby. <laughs> <laughs> Cats are easier than a puppy. That's very true. Yes. But not when you have five cats. I'm not <laughs> even sure about that. Uh, <laughs> Puppies are a lot of work. We just adopted a puppy two weeks ago, so he's 10 weeks old now. Oh. Labrador Golden Retriever mix. Oh, my goodness. So cute. Oh, it's adorable, but he is so stupid. <laughs> He's just like, what? Huh? Uh? I'm like, oh, please get smarter as you get older. <laughs> My daughter just bought, um, adopted one as well a couple of weeks ago. And he's Labrador. And I don't think he's Golden Retriever. It's something else. But she said kind of the same thing. <laughs> and they're so cute, though. But, yeah. Oh, they are, but they, they need a lot of attention. They need to go outside yeah, a lot. Is, uh, is, uh, yeah. is your dog biting and chewing everything now? Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Why did they clear you all out? That was weird. <laughs> hey. That was, that was, okay, that was strange. Anyway. <laughs> Joe, did we get an outro? This is Matt Siraj, fourth generation owner of Community Coffee. My great-grandfather named it Community, just out of appreciation and respect for his friends and neighbors. And for 100 years, our family has been about two things, great-tasting coffee and great people. And as America's number one family-owned retail coffee brand, we believe it's our responsibility to continue to give them the best-tasting coffee experience possible. And it's why we're excited for you to discover your new favorite blend. Look for Community Coffee at a store near you. Honey, it's our favorite time of year. And I got you something to celebrate. <gasps> a McRib? It's just what I wanted. Happy McRib season, sweetie. Mm, I love you. I love you, too. Mm. Actually, I was talking to my McRib. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I'll leave you two alone. Right now, enjoy a McRib meal and get another tasty McRib sandwich for just a dollar. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. 